0: Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media.
1: Put God first in all things, and He will bless you in all things.
0: That's the wisest plan for our walk with God. But Pastor Greg Laurie is concerned that many times we don't put God first, and then we're surprised when our lives bottom out. We give
1: our second best to God, we give our leftovers to God. We should bring our very best to God, not our leftovers. Put God first and give Him your best, because He gave His very best for you. This is the day when the lost up.
0: had some pretty tumultuous days this year. Trillions of dollars lost in days. But some have managed to weather the storm. Some have even had a game. What's the difference? They knew where to invest. So what investments are a sure thing? On A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie points out that we should invest our lives in our relationship with God and His plan. Now that's a plan that never devalues, dwindles or depreciates. Today we're studying the life of Moses.
1: Before I was a Christian, I always had an interest in Jesus Christ. Uh, I was fascinated by Him. Uh, there was a portrait that hung on my grandparents' house, and I lived with them for a number of years, of Jesus. And I would just sit there as a little boy and look at it and and wonder about Him. I I knew He existed at one time. I never thought of Him as someone I could enter into a relationship with. And pretty much everything I knew about Jesus, I learned from movies. For instance, I discovered from movies about Jesus, this is of my childhood, that He had blonde hair and blue eyes. (laughs) Then looking at religious art, I learned other things about Jesus. I learned that Jesus often walked around carrying a lamb. I'm not really sure why, but He often picked lambs up and just carried them around. I don't know what he did with them afterwards, but he carried them. I also learned that he sometimes held a lamb and carried a staff as well. So that's how you knew who Jesus was. He had a lamb and a staff. And then finally he had a special hand gesture he did. I'm not sure what it was. Just the little fingers. Not quite the peace sign. He had his own little sign that he flashed. Hey, what's up? Here I am. You know, and I think some people maybe sort of thought of Jesus as the original hippie. You know, peace and love and good vibes and, and always had a kind word for everyone. And, and it is true it was peace and love. Uh, and it is true that he had the greatest teachings that were ever given. And I believed that as a kid. But the part I didn't like about his story, in fact, I thought, why doesn't someone make a movie about Jesus and change the ending? I hated the ending of the Jesus story. I didn't like the part Of him being crucified. Oh I know he rose again from the dead. But I didn't like that part. I wanted to just watch the front end of the story. And edit out the last part of the story. It made no sense to my little brain at that time. But it was not until I became a Christian. I realized it was all about that part of the story. It was all about the cross. I would also discovered that it's very doubtful. His eyes were blue and that his hair was blonde. He was Jesus of Nazareth, not Jesus of Sweden. (laughs) He was Semitic. His hair would have been dark. His skin would have been dark. His eyes would have been dark. But that's not really important, is it? Because nowhere in the Bible do we have a physical description of Jesus Christ. And if God thought we needed one, He would have put one in there. So the real issue is why did He come? Why was He born in the manger? He was born in the manger in Bethlehem to ultimately die on the cross outside of Jerusalem. The incarnation was for the atonement. The birth of Jesus was so there would be the death of and the resurrection of Jesus because His death on the cross was not an afterthought on the part of God the Father. In fact, it was the Lord's purpose and plan from the very beginning. Because in Revelation 13.8, Jesus was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. What does that mean? It means before there was a solar system, before there was a planet called earth, before there was a garden called Eden, and a man named Adam and a woman named Eve, before sin entered the human race, a decision was made in the councils of eternity. A decision made by the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit that the Son would come to this earth on a rescue mission. God would become a man and walk among us and live the perfect life and then ultimately die the perfect death. And the Lord even announced it there in the book of Genesis to the serpent, Satan, after he deceived Adam and Eve, he gave Satan fair warning. There is coming one who will crush your head, but you will bruise his heel. And that is why the cross is so important to us as Christians. And that is why Satan hates the message of the cross. Why? Because it spells his doom and defeat. He doesn't want us to think about it. He doesn't want us to talk about it. Why? Because there's power in the message of the death of Jesus on the cross. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 1.18, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And that's from a Greek word dunamis. That means the explosive power of God. That message, the cross, the blood of Jesus that was shed, it's arresting, it's controversial, it's offensive, and it is the truth. And sometimes in the church, it's neglected. We don't talk about the cross maybe as much as we used to. Sometimes in our attempt to cross over, we don't bring the cross over. And if you don't have the message of the death of Jesus in your preaching as a minister or a representative of Christ, you're missing the key element. That's the essence of the very gospel presentation. I've told you this before, but years ago I was having lunch with Billy Graham and I asked him a question. I was in my 30s when I asked this. This is five years ago. (laughs) Uh, And a few more years. I said, Billy, If an older Billy could speak to a younger Billy, what advice would you give yourself? And Billy's response was, I would preach more on the cross and the blood of Christ because that's where the power is. And I took note of that and I've tried to practice that as well. So I bring that up because now in this message we're gonna talk about the cross and the blood in the Passover celebration and also in communion. Uh, But kind of picking up in our story. Remember that the Lord has told Moses to go to the Pharaoh and demand the release of the Jewish people. The Pharaoh dug in and he flat out refused saying in Exodus five 5.2, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I don't know the Lord nor will I let Israel go. So a series of 10 plagues or judgments came upon Egypt and the Pharaoh was finally worn down by them. And then tried to mislead and deceive Moses through a series of compromises which thankfully Moses did not give in to. So now there's one final judgment and that would be the death of the firstborn of Egypt. Now some might see it as cruel and harsh and extreme on the part of the Lord. But let me say that for all practical purposes the Pharaoh decided his own fate. You might respond, well how so? Well, Moses warned Pharaoh that he would be treated the way he treated the Jews. Let me say that again. Moses warned Pharaoh he would be treated the way that he treated the Jews. Exodus four twenty two. The Lord said, Say this to the Pharaoh. Thus says the Lord, Israel is my son, my firstborn. So I say to you, let my son go, and he may serve me. But if you refuse to let him go, indeed I will kill your son, your firstborn. The Lord is very clear. Listen, you're messing with my son. Israel, they're my son. And if you do this, it's gonna come back on you. As the Bible says, what goes around comes around. The Bible doesn't say that actually. I was wondering, really, where is that No. But the Bible does say, don't be deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. Jesus said in Matthew seven, you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is a standard by which you will be judged. Okay, Pharaoh, I'm responding to what you're doing. Pharaoh drowned the Jewish baby boys, so God drowned the Pharaoh's army. He had no one to blame
0: but himself. You're listening to a new beginning with Pastor Greg Laurie, the senior pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship, Riverside, California, USA. And today we've been following the confrontation between Moses and Pharaoh. Now Pastor Greg takes us to the Lord's instructions to Moses about Passover. Let's continue.
1: So the Lord leveled his judgments against the false gods of Egypt, effectively showing them that their God's have no power because their gods are not real. The Egyptians worshiped the Nile River as a goddess, so it was turned to blood. The Egyptians worshiped the desert, so it turned to lice. They worshiped the frog. Don't ask me why. (laughs) So God gave them more frogs to worship, frogs everywhere. And the judgments come, and finally the Pharaoh gives in and says, all right, go. Now the Lord is going to give Moses Detailed instructions on something they were going to do from that day forward called the Passover. And the Passover is very important to both Jews and to Christians. And here are God's instructions for observing the Passover. Let's read them in Exodus chapter 12. I'll read verses 1 to 5. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. While the Israelites are still in the land of Egypt, the Lord gave the following instructions to Moses and Aaron. From now on, this month will be the first month of the year for you. Announce to the whole community of Israel and on the tenth day of this month, each family must choose a lamb or a young goat for a sacrifice, one animal for each household. If a family is too small to eat a whole animal, let them share with another family in the neighborhood. Divide the animal according to the size of each family and how much they can eat. The animal you select must be a one-year-old male, either a sheep or goat, with no defects. We'll stop there. So the Passover, as I said, is important to the Jews. This is to remember what God did for them. That he passed over them in his judgment upon Egypt because they observed this and did what he told them to do. But Passover is important to believers as well, to Christians, because Jesus celebrated Passover with his disciples because he knew it pointed to him. Everything in the Old Testament points to what is fulfilled in the New Testament. Christ is concealed in the Old Testament. He's revealed in the New Testament. So all of these feasts and other things that they did were pointing to Messiah and that is why Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 5, 7, indeed Christ, our Passover lamb, was sacrificed for us. That's why John the Baptist pointing to Jesus said, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus was the fulfillment of the Passover lamb. So here's some takeaway points from the Passover that apply to you. And if you're taking notes, here's point number one. The Passover was to be a new beginning. The Passover was to be a new beginning. Verse two, from now on, this month will be the first month of the year for you. So God starts by making this a new beginning for the nation Israel, right in the middle of the year. God gives to the people a new beginning. And in the same way, it doesn't matter if it's June, October, or March, or whenever, you ask Christ to come into your life and ask for His forgiveness, you can have a fresh start as well. Jesus says in Revelation one five, Behold, I make all things new. So point number one, the Passover was a new beginning. Number two, the lamb that they were to offer was to be the very best. It was to be carefully chosen and examined. The very best. We should bring our very best to God, not our leftovers. Heard the story of an old farmer. He was known to be very stingy. Do you know any stingy people? How many of you know a cheapskate? Raise your hand. You know a cheapskate. <laughs> How many of you are a cheapskate? Raise your hands. So some of you are happy. I'm a cheapskate. Yeah. So you're the guy that mysteriously disappears into the bathroom when the bill comes, right? Or the check comes. <laughs> or, or you can't reach your wallet for some reason. Or you left it in the car. Whatever. Well, we all know cheapskates, don't we? Well, the farmer, you know, he was very cheap. And that's why the minister was surprised when the farmer came and said, Preacher, uh, I just had two calves and I'm going to give one to the Lord. And so the pastor said, Well, which one are you going to give? The stingy old farmer said, Haven't decided that yet. So a little bit of time passed and one of the calves got sick and died. And then that old farmer showed up at church the following Sunday with a dead calf draped over his arms and said, I have bad news pastor. The Lord's calf just died. Get it? He chose the one that died. Well I don't need it anymore. I'll give it to God. And sometimes we do the same thing. We give our second best to God. We give our leftovers to God. How many of you like to eat leftovers? Raise your hand up. How many of you are stingy and like to eat leftovers recently? No, okay. Um, maybe there's a connection. <laughs> My wife loves leftovers. Oh, I love leftovers. Let's just reheat that. Oh, I don't want to reheat, you know, especially pizza. Some things don't reheat well, do they? And um, she loves leftovers. I don't. But imagine for a moment, if you would, if Jesus showed up at your house after church today. How would you know him? Well, He has blonde hair and blue eyes. <laughs> He'd have a lamb wrapped around his neck, have a staff there as well. No, we know he wouldn't look like that, but let's just say for the sake of an illustration, Jesus was on your porch when you got home and you were like, are you hungry, Jesus? Yes, I am. What are you gonna feed him? Oh, we can't give him the devil's food cake. That just wouldn't work. (laughs) Hide the deviled eggs. Do we still have the angel's food cake? What do you feed Jesus? (laughs) Leftover pizza? No. You make him something fresh. Martha knew about this because Jesus would often show up at her house unannounced with 12 of His buddies wanting a meal. And she would create wonderful meals for the Lord. She never gave Him her second best. She gave Him her very best. And we should give our very best to God as well. But do we do it? You know when you get up in the morning, do you give the very beginning of your day to the Lord and open His Word? Well, after I check social media and after I uh, answer a couple of emails and after I watch a little television or whatever else. And so we, we know what we should do, but we don't always do it as we ought to. We know we should give our finances to the Lord, but sometimes we'll say, well, I don't have any money left. The Bible says in Proverbs 3, 9, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of your increase. First fruits mean you do it first before anything else. Listen, put God first in all things and He will bless you in all things. It's true. Put Him first. Jesus said in Matthew 6.33, Seek first the kingdom of God in His righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. What does He mean when He says all these things? The context of that statement is Christ was talking about, don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. Don't worry about these things, but rather seek first the kingdom. He's not saying don't think about them. You should think about what you're going to eat and think about what you're going to wear, but don't be obsessed with it. Don't worry about it, but instead put God first in your life. Listen to this. Put God first in your marriage and watch how it changes. Put God first in your finances and watch how they'll change. Put God first and give Him your best because He gave His very best for you.
0: Pastor Greg Laurie with some great encouragement from our study today on the first Passover. So what can wash away our sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Those are familiar lyrics from an old hymn. And next time, Pastor Greg points out the reason that Jesus' blood is a critical part for our redemption. Join us tomorrow, same time, for a new beginning. This is the day, the day when life begins. Now, for a copy of Pastor Greg's full message from today, get in touch with Vision Christian Store. It was called the Passover, A New Beginning. Just go to visionstore.org.au or call one 0 5011 Station Sponsor. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.